Um, feeling the fall vibes for sure it, it feels like Halloween should be around the corner which it is yes. yeah. <laughs> let's intro it um, as best we can hey. listeners you are listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast this is a podcast where friends get together and talk about a horror movie we're doing this virtually until safe to do otherwise uh, tonight's going to be me, Richard, and Jolian. Will is going to join us, I believe, next time, but for this time, uh, we're going to talk about the movie, the movie we watched, which we will spoil, and then we will talk about recently watched, which we will try to not spoil. We thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music digitally on Amazon or Apple Music, where you could buy it, and say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon-Rays. If you would like to buy our coloring book, uh, Will, Jolian, and myself, we worked on a coloring book for Plan 9 from Outer Space. This has a, a foreword from Dana Gould, famous comedian, former guest on the show, friend of the show. This, this book, you can go on plan9coloringbook.com and buy it there. And it'll click through to Etsy, so it's super easy to use, even if you've never used Etsy before. And I'll send you extra stuff, promise. I've done it so far. Other than that, that is housekeeping usually, I believe. Uh, we're not professional <laughs> critics, but it, I don't think we claim to be professional critics. We're just podcasters who talk about movies. Uh, Jolian, since last time, do you want to just start the recently watched? Okay, um, I can so start with uh, Day of the Nightmare, 1965, John Bushman, uh, starring John Ireland, and uh, this has got another one of those standard villains. Uh, if if someone in the movie is an artist, they're probably up to no good. Sure. It's, uh, same in this case. Uh, he's an illustrator, and uh, he's got a scheme to knock off his wife uh, via uh, cross-dressing. And uh, it's kind of one of those post-psycho psycho dramas. Sure. Um, with a very unsurprising twist ending. Uh, I like the demise of the villain. That, that was unusual. Um, involves a yacht. Um, and then his, uh, his title comes up saying, It's finished! <laughs> uh, but it's... It's pretty lame. The most interesting thing about it is the uh, director of photography is uh, Ted Michaels, uh, who's uh, directed The Doll Squad, The Astro Zombies, The Worm Eaters, The Corpse Grinders. Oh. Have you seen all those? Um, if one or more of your movies has ended up a Misfits song title, then you know what you're doing something right. Okay. I'll get to the Misfits pretty soon. <laughs> oh, so will I. <laughs> 
after uh, another Korean movie called uh, that's not Shenandoah. Korean movie called uh, The Wrath from 2018. Okay. Uh, directed by uh, Young Sun. Uh, it's a remake of a 1986 film called uh, Woman's Well. Um, this one has felt like an adaptation of a novel. It's like sometimes you get in the Hong Kong uh, historical fantasy films that there are adaptations of novels, and the audience is kind of expected to know a lot of the. Uh, the history and the uh, details going in, and so it's kind of kind of be confusing. Um, there just seems to be lots of uh, things that were left out, and sudden time changes that got that got a bit confusing. Like uh, uh, at one point, she uh, the, the heroine of the story has a dream uh, where she where you realise that she's gone back in time in a dream and she's seeing the origin of where this ghost comes from and then it shows a maid at this haunted mansion being killed by the ghost and then then you're back in the dream uh it's it's a bit um discombobulating um it's got a kind of japanese style ghost in it a bit of a gothic setup where you've got this young woman who's brought into this old mansion and uh, there's something locked away. It's not not an attic in this case, but uh, similar mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, it says in the box that it's a gore fest, but it's really not. Uh, very dimly shot. Um, lots of icky sound effects, but not, you don't see much. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was all right. Uh, you know, nice period detail and so on. Uh, I finished watching a serial called The Vanishing Shadow from 1934. Uh, lots of shadow things around at the time. Mm-hmm. You, you've heard of the shadow, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, before the shadow, you had uh, uh, the shielding shadow. Uh, you had uh, Judex. Um, you know, he's this kind of anti-hero crime fighter who wears a cape and a slouch hat. Same yeah. as the shadow. Uh, Shielding Shadow is a, is a guy who uh, he, he dresses in a similar way, but he, he can also use invisibility. Um, then the Shadow himself, he's he's uh, inspired by them and uh, Dracula. Um, so uh, yeah, the, so the Vanishing Shadow of 1934 is uh, the directing debut of Lou Landers, who uh, went on to uh, eat the Raven the next year. Okay. Uh, Return of the Vampire, etc. Oh, nice. Um, apparently, it's the first on-screen handheld ray gun. Uh, <laughs> got Onslow Stevens as Stanley Stanfield. Um, he went on to be in House of Dracula and uh, them. Uh, you got Walter Miller playing Ward Barnett, the villain, is his villainous publisher. Uh, he was in a film called The Shadow in 1921. Uh, you got Richard Kramer, who's a uh, the heavy. He's in a he's in a few Laurel and Hardy films. Um, and it's it's a good looking print. This is thought of as lost for decades, but it's you can now watch it online. It looks good. That's cool. Uh, it's got a cool cool robot on it. Um, yeah, so I quite enjoyed that one. Anyway, uh, finally saw cats. Yes, finally got to see it. 
And I must say, it wasn't the worst movie I saw this weekend. Um, <laughs> this one's directed by Tom, Tom Hooper. Um, it's from the uh, musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber et al. Um, based on the uh, Thomas Eliot uh, book of poems. Um, so this this one is um, it is really weird because you're in that uncanny valley with all these people in this CG cat yeah. costumes. Uh, mm. So it's really weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, uh, this has got like this horrible reputation, but um, I think there's like two things wrong with it, two major things wrong with it, which really sink it. Uh, there's so many talented people involved in this movie. Um, there's really good stuff in it. But uh, so on the one... Firstly, mostly, you've got the Uncanny Valley. You've got these weird cat people. Um, it, it, it looks like this strange fetish thing you're watching. Okay. Um, there's a lot. And then the other thing is uh, really poor uh, physical comedy, especially near the start. That really sinks it before you, before you get into it. Um, and it mostly involves people getting whacked in the groin somehow or other. Oh, okay. Which is doubly distracting because no one has groins in this movie. Yeah, Will uh, said they CG'd their buttholes out and everything. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, when, if you're aware of that, and it's doubly weird seeing all this humor which involves people landing on their you know, backsides and you know getting whacked in the crotch. Um but uh, apart from that, you know, there's so many good people in it, um, and it's uh, you know it's lit really well. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, such a weird movie. <laughs> uh, but then uh, let's see. Uh, let's move on to one of the worst films I've ever seen. Ooh, ooh, let me guess. <laughs> <laughs> does it involve Glenn Danzig? Uh, it does. <laughs> uh, did you watch this? Yeah, because you know it's it's great because the way you messaged this to me, uh, uh-huh. you, you said, and then I watched Veronica, uh-huh. and something to the effect of, and I couldn't believe what I was watching, and I thought, yeah. huh, I wonder what that is. And as soon as I brought it up in uh, Shutter, I knew what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, its reputation preceded it even before <laughs> what you said. And I went, I think I know what he meant by that, but let's give it a watch. So go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. What couldn't you believe about what you were watching? <laughs> yeah, I read there's a, there's a review in The Onion uh, where it uh, reports on uh, when it showed at a festival a year ago. And uh, it was just uh, uh, the... The levels of hysteria from the audience watching this movie uh, just sounded incredible. I'd love to see this with a packed audience. Oh, this really needs to go, out. go along at midnight, have a few drinks or whatever you need. Yep. Don't watch this straight. Yep. Don't watch it by yourself um, because, uh, yeah, it would just be terrible. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, if you watch it with a bunch of people in the right frame of mind, this is it's, it's really amazing. Uh yeah, and there's just watch a review of it online, like uh, uh, on some YouTube review. Uh, find a good one of those because it's it's uh, really funny. Oh, it is um, stunningly bad. It's it's inc- it's just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Now I kind of feel like 
okay, Glenn Danzig is not credited at the end of the movie as, as being the casting director, but, uh, I think casting, casting this had a lot to do with the, with the casting director's liking for, um, porn actresses right, and strippers. And, uh, and, you know, to an extent, there's nothing wrong with that if they can also act, but there wasn't a lot of that going on. Not a lot of actual acting. Yeah, this is not Ross Meyer we're talking about. No, not exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this one, who boy, it's it is meant to follow a comic book, you know, a Glenn Danzig comic book. So you kind of get that almost oh, for example, like Creep Show, you get like that weird like garish lighting, you know, the 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 bright. Uh, color backgrounds that are just kind of popped in there. So you're meant to occasionally get the feel of a comic book panel. And uh, so, yeah, you get that. And then you also get some of these sort of two dimensional cop characters and things. So to an extent you're trying to just the cops, everyone else is totally three dimensional, but, uh, <laughs> but the, but the thing about it just seems to be that, but they're, they're, maybe deliberately two-dimensional to feel like a comic book, but it just seems like no. <laughs> maybe they just don't know how to act or be, or be, right. di- be directed by someone who maybe doesn't know how to direct exactly. Just know how to edit. Yeah. It, it's, Oh my God. Uh, yeah. I think you're right. This is going to be like cult classic, like midnight movie for sure. Yeah. So this is like a, this is a, a anthology. There's three quote unquote stories. Mm-hmm. And the first one, you watch and you think, oh, my, that was terrible. That's the best one. Right. That's the only one that has a plot. It has a beginning, middle, and end. Yep. The second one uh, doesn't really end. Uh, yeah. There's it... this woman who cuts off people's faces. It's supposed to be a homage to his use on visage. But... Uh, just awful. Yeah, in fact, you see that on the marquee. Yeah, it, yeah, he has this uh, spoof porn name like uh, Le Nuit Sans Visage. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's got this terrible costume in it, and you can see the splits in the costume. Oh yeah, it, it's kind of it sort of gathers and get and sort of bulges. <laughs> right. Uh, and the, the third one has no plot at all. And, you know, it kind of just keeps wandering around and then it just sort of wanders around till it stops and then yeah. the end. Half an hour's up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just this woman takes the blood of uh, virgins or as she says, virgins. Yes. Uh, for half an hour. Yep. And that's it. So, yeah, that's meant to just satisfy a fetish, I guess. <laughs> you know? I, I love the editing. It's like uh, the, the camera will just, people will like say the lines and then stand there. Yeah. Waiting for him to cut. It just goes on and on. It's crazy. It is, it is, uh, I would say for film school, this would be like bring this in as a to don't list. Right. You know, case students watch this, everything this thing does, just don't do that. And you're, and you're automatically halfway there. Now, as someone who really digs the Misfits and, and, and likes Glenn Danzig and his music, uh, 
he doesn't get a pass for this. No, you know, Rob Zombie. Okay. I, I will, you know, I'll give him, I'll give him some leeway on some of the stuff he's done. Fine. Uh, point out some of his mistakes, but this is, this is just a big, uh, cavalcade of mistakes. Just one after yeah. another. He thinks he's done something good, like paying homage to Mario Bava and George Franju. And, um, yeah, you can, you can see footage of him at the, the uh, festival uh, saying that, oh, yes, uh, uh, we had a dialect coach so that people could learn to speak as if they were French. Oh, and was, really? And they were working with his dialect coach for six weeks. Really? <laughs> That's what he says. Okay. <laughs> What exactly were they doing? Because it sure wasn't uh, mastering a French accent. Not a single one of them fooled me. No. <laughs> oh, lordy. Uh, what, what else was on your list? Or was that... Uh, I think that's, that was all horror movies anyway. Well, um. that was our overlap. Uh, do you want to talk about anything else you watched? Uh, um... I watched. Uh, I've been watching Fellini movies. So I watched uh, Love in the City, which is one of the. Uh, uh, it's one of those movies where they have like several different directors doing a short story. Oh, cool! Um, so, so uh, and this is back in uh, when he was considered one of the neo-realists. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't. He never really was. So you have these like really serious stories to start with uh, about uh, like poverty and in Rome or prostitution in post-war Rome. <clears throat> and his comes on and it's about a marriage license agency, a marriage agency where, where people go and then they give the information and then they get you know, hooked up with somebody. Um, but in his, his film, uh, this guy is, wants to write an article about his, his marriage agency. So he, uh, he, comes up with this ridiculous story for himself so that he won't, he won't get fixed up with anybody because he doesn't want to, to actually go through with it. Right. So he's, he, uh, he says he's, he's going to take the woman to meet his friend who is a werewolf. And, uh, but then a woman turns up saying, yeah, he sounds nice. Uh, he has a house in the country and he has a bit of money. Uh, I want to get out of the city. You don't mind him being a werewolf? No, I can deal with that, you know. <laughs> yeah, how bad could it be, right? <laughs> so it kind of gets a bit tragic after a while because you realize that at some point he's going to have to tell this poor woman that he's actually, you know, literally taking it for a ride uh, for the sake of his article. But uh, yeah, that one's quite funny. We did see this uh, great anime called uh, Wolf Children, which is another werewolf story. Um, so this is one where. Uh, this uh, woman in Tokyo meets this uh, guy when she's uh, when she's at university, and uh, they're, they're dating for a while. And then uh, uh, he tells her, uh, "I'm a werewolf," and proves to her that he is. But she says, "I'm going to stay with you anyway." Um, so they uh, they they move in together. Um, she has a couple of kids, and then uh, he dies. Uh, this is all pretty soon in the movie. Um, so she's the single mother who's left with these two kids who can turn into wolves. Oh. And she's going to have to deal with raising them by herself. It's a, it's a really good 
beautiful movie. Um, yeah, I recommend that one a lot. Yeah, that's a good premise. Yeah, Wolf, wolf Children. Okay, Wolf Children. Cool. Uh, was that it for your recently? Yeah, watched? did you see anything else? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I decided I'm going to do 31 Days of Halloween, and I'm on track. I'm on track. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm at five movies as of right now, so I can be ahead by one. Uh, the reason I did this mainly was because the first one I watched, I don't know if you could categorize it as a horror, although, and you've probably seen this, uh, they came from beyond space, 1967. This one, um, let me see, bring that. They came from beyond space directed by Freddie Francis produced by Max Rosenberg, uh, based on a novel from 1941 called the God hates uh, the gods hate Kansas. <laughs> it's a, uh, Joseph Millard, uh, novel. This one is a 1967 uh, British movie uh, that was uh, from Amicus Productions. So it wasn't a hammer. It was an Amicus. An unusual V-shaped formation of meteorites has fallen in Cornwall. A group of scientists are appointed to investigate, but its head, Dr. Curtis Temple, is forbidden by his physician from going as he's recovering from an automobile accident and has a silver plate in his skull. So the, the long and the short of it is that uh, a bunch of scientists are, are trying to stop aliens who are made of pure energy, and they're trying to enslave humans. So it felt a lot more like a sci-fi than a horror, but, you know, with some overlap. So I could sort of count it. It's 85 minutes, so Will could, you know, get behind this. <laughs> it's uh, got the, uh, the flying saucer, as I recall was the same one they had in uh, Daleks Invasion Earth. Oh, okay. I'll have to check that out to see if that is a, a 100% match. So this has uh, Robert Hutton, Jennifer Jane, uh, Bernard K., Michael Go, Michael Goo. <laughs> uh, Michael Goff. Goff, yes. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Wallace, and many more. There's a quite a cast. It uh, it keeps your attention. Some of the effects are a little bit uh, what you'd expect from the time, so not great, but still, yeah. it, it it fulfills the obligation of having a special effect on screen. It's not gonna, <laughs> it's not going to fool your eye exactly, but it's right. They tried. It, Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. I. I'll have to watch that again. I remember seeing it ages ago, late at night, and not really liking it. It's my, my my trouble with recommending or not recommending or saying I liked it or didn't. Wait for it, motorcycle. Um, it has a lot to do with if it has that charm of the mid '60s. There's some I cannot exactly put my finger on it, but there's something about that era the sci-fi from that era that really does something for me. Yeah. So they, they probably get an extra star unfairly. <laughs> Do you want to, uh, my favorite British, like, uh, alien invasion films from that time. Uh, there's one called invasion. Okay. Where they, they, uh, basically isolate a hospital out in the country. Uh, 
and uh, yeah, that's, that one's really moody. Uh, and there's another one called uh, "The Earth Dies Screaming." Oh, that Tom Waits but, made a song uh, by that same name. Yeah, uh, where they're they're besieged in this uh, uh, pub in a village. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know the, the standard British response to uh, the apocalypse. Well, Just go down the. <laughs> yeah, I I can't say they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. The next one uh, was a documentary from this year. Uh, it is called the Bray Road Beast. This one is from Small Town Monsters Productions, and I may have mentioned this one before. I felt like I didn't remember enough about it, so I rewatched it. This is uh, the blurb. Basically, says in the early 1990s, a rural Wisconsin community called Elkhorn was at the center of a series of real-life werewolf sightings. As local reporter Linda Godfrey began her investigation into the Beast of Bray Road, other reports across the county and soon the world be, uh, began flooding in. For three more subsequent decades, this has been the most infamous Wisconsin resident, you, you know, since Ed Gein, but you know, <laughs> that goes without saying, right? Uh, so the, the Bray Road Beast, it's what, what did I say? An hour and four minutes or something like that. It's an easy watch. It's documentary style. Uh, the eyewitnesses seem, you know, trustworthy. I have no reason to say they didn't see something. I don't know what it was. Was it a werewolf? Well, those supposedly don't exist. Could be. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to say? Like you didn't see what you say you saw? I wasn't there, so go with it. Now, this one I hope you're familiar with, because this was the way I mentioned that the British sci-fis have, you know, well, sci-fi movies from the mid-60s have that charm to them. There's also a weird, almost anti-charm of the Night Gallery <laughs> era of uh, American-made horror anthologies and the like encounter with the unknown. Do you know this one? Oh, this is a broad selling. Yes. He narrates it. The money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I watched this one last year, I think. Okay. Yeah. He needed the money. I think is probably the best way to put it. You're right. Uh, this was directed by Harry Thomason and produced by Joe glass written by Jack Anderson, Joe glass and Harry Thomason starring a bunch of people you never heard of. I believe except for the narrator, Rod Serling. You've got three stories. The first one, they reuse the footage so much that I kind of feel like they <laughs> wanted to make 90 minutes. And it's, it's, it opens cold open on this funeral, and there's these three boys standing there, graveside, and this woman makes some pronouncement to them, uh, basically a curse, and she says something about the heptagon, and two by air and one by land, something will happen and the heptagon and something in sevens. I forget exactly what she said. It was a bunch of crap. And then the boys started dying horrible deaths uh, every seven days until they were all, you know, you see, you see what happens after the first story, you know what's going to happen. And basically they tricked some kid into going to some address thinking he was going to meet a girl and he's like tragically doofy 
Right. And this old woman answers the door to this made up address and there's no young girl waiting for him. It's a woman who gets her husband's pistol out of the drawer and accidentally shoots him in the stomach and kills him. Maybe it was the chest, but anyway, she kills him. He dies. Uh, the, the mother of this boy curses them and this whole thing takes place. Uh, one of the stories, the girl on the bridge is kind of the vanishing hitchhiker type story. Uh, the, there's a doomed flight story. It's just, it's so, it's, it's like uh, rejects from the night gallery series is what it feels like. Like these weren't good enough to be a night gallery. And I watched it anyway. I figured, you know what? It's from that early seventies uh, vibe, but the film stock probably wasn't great, but the transfer is horrible. Like it looks so bad. So 1973, uh, you get to hear Rod Serling's voice. You get to be reminded how good other stuff actually is. <laughs> as far as yeah, I, just, I just remember being bored by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember it. I can remember it as you, as you were uh, telling the stories, but yeah, I, I have no memory of it. I kind of don't even want to give it away. Like, well, not not because it would be spoilers, but because it's boring. Like I don't even <laughs> I don't even want to go into much more about it. It it's bad, but you've seen worse things. So if you feel like you want to get that rejects definitely from, <laughs> rejects from night gallery vibe, then this is it. I watched zero point zero megahertz. Do you know this one? No. This is a South Korean movie from uh, twenty nineteen. This one I really enjoyed. Uh, let me bring up their page here and see if I could give you a more concise. Uh, some yeah, sort of poster for it, but uh, yeah, not watched it. Yeah, this one. Uh, let's see. I want to read. I want to read the uh, the basic uh, summary here for you. It's uh, the 0.0 megahertz is the name of a supernatural mystery club that I believe are at college. They seem too old for high school. I think they were at college. Uh, the mystery club that reveals bizarre psychological phenomena, uh, such as seeing ghosts. One day, five members of the club go to an abandoned house, which is famous for experiencing this. They summon the spirit using brainwaves and try to hear a statement in person. That night, the true nature of the spirit fear reveals. That's kind of a weird wording. They invoke a ghost. And this ghost is really horrible. And it was maybe cast out of the last person it possessed, but it's going to possess one of them. Now, a lot of times these movies go from, you know, the first act into the second act. And then the second act just sort of morphs into the third act because they're stuck at that location. This one, they get back to the world and then they have to go back to the location again. So it's some pretty good, like if you're familiar with Korean horror, this kind of follows a lot of how they do. And there is a, excuse me a sec. Sorry about that. Um, if you're familiar with Korean horror, this is a lot of how they do as far as setting it up and, and introducing the characters and getting you to care about them just a little bit and then relying on the folklore and mythology 
and the history of a place. So they kind of do that thing, but they really kind of go bananas with it. This one is uh, pretty good scares. Uh, there's some stuff that probably works on a Korean audience better than it works on an American audience, or I should say a Western audience. We have seen it all, and some of the stuff is not going to get us, but I could see where it's it's probably going to work for the audience it's intended for. You know, some of the possession stuff as it occurs, it's like, man, we've been doing this since The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot. I mean, like, Evil Dead 2 was doing it for laughs. So, mm-hmm. but it's it's done well. The possession stuff, the makeup effects, uh, it's well lit, well acted. It's It's meant to be sort of a, almost a young people thing, like a, I won't say a, a teen sort of thing, but it's meant, it's meant to sort of maybe be appealing to a younger audience, I think is why you get a cast of uh, people in their early twenties, but they do it well. I liked this. Uh, so I don't know what kind of, uh, eh, some, some people give things five out of 10 stars just because they didn't understand a foreign movie, but I would give it seven out of ten. <laughs> seven and a half. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it did well as far as I was concerned. Uh, they could have maybe used a little more backstory on the ghost and why it was so powerful or why it wanted to do what it wanted to do. All we know is it was being cast out. That ended tragically and then it happened again to this bunch, this uh, investigator bunch. So... Uh, then of course, Verizon. If you like, if you like that one, you should watch it. Gong Jam, the okay. Asylum. Okay, I will have to check that out. That sounds like one. I'm writing it down right now. Although I could write it down when I'm editing. Uh, so yeah, that's it for my recently watched. Um, uh, before we get into uh, Spiral, which we'll talk about a little again with Will next week, since this was his choice. You know, he'll be back with us, but. So we're going to hang on to this for next week, but we're going to talk about our recommended viewing for shut-in Halloween. And I don't mean movies about being shut-in, but movies you watch with your your uh, roommate, your your family, your your significant other, Smizmar, whatever. Uh, so yeah, that that will be a a cool list. I've got two different lists. I got a serious one and then a more lighter fair one. So I don't know if that's more than people want to hear, but I got two lists of five. Okay. Or if you just want to do lists of 10, then I'll just put the, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, uh, uh, movies that you watch by yourself and, uh, so they'd be more like, um, cerebral movies or, uh, or maybe you want to watch plague based movies or, Movies about isolation. Yeah, yeah. It could, could be could be a lot of things. Yeah, there's a there's different different lenses through which we could view this this uh, problem to be solved, this list making problem. And I know a lot of people don't own any physical tangible media anymore, and you and I both do, and your your collection dwarfs mine. But to just go in and pick some stuff off the shelf or to scroll through. Amazon or Shutter or whatever, and look up, uh, I should say, Prime Video, 
or Shutter or Net Netflix, not so much, but uh, you know, find some stuff that you just sort of make your own week of Halloween film fest. <laughs> you can make microwave popcorn. <laughs> you can eat the candy before the trick or treaters don't show up. Yes. This is the first. Yeah. This is what's, a. What's going to happen with that this year? It's going to be pretty different. I'm going to make a catapult. Like I, I'm, I'm making a candy launcher, either slingshot or catapult. Have you, have you thought about this? Maybe one of those little robot hands, you know, like, like you, could, you could just reach out several feet and just open it and drop the candy. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you, you get, get the right diameter PVC tube. And I think you could, uh, although this wouldn't be safe to launch things like a blow dart. I was going to say miniature candy bars, blow dart style, but that's not safe because droplets. Anyway, so we're probably about 40 minutes in. Should we talk about Spiral? Okay. What did you think? Um, uh, I didn't really enjoy it. No? I'm afraid. No. Was it because it was Canadian? Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I have nothing against that, uh, but it just seemed timid. I didn't care about the characters. I felt they were just ciphers. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to be a movie about uh, prejudice, and uh, I just didn't feel like real people. Um, I felt that didn't need to be a horror movie. Uh, I thought that was an unnecessary bit of dressing for it. Um, I, and I, in fact, it, uh, I mean, there's plenty of horror movies where it, the horror content could be taken out and it's still horrific. Right. Um, so in, in this case, you could, you know, you, you've got this couple who moved to this small town and uh, they face prejudice in this town. And so then uh, it turns out that there's this demonic cult and there's an actual demon that this cult sacrifices minorities to every 10 years, right? Right. Uh, I felt that weakened it because if the cult had just been the KKK or Proud Boys or whatever, uh, that would have been stronger because having it be a demon, it lets them off the hook. Sure. Saying that there's this evil supernatural force which is making them do this stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, I see your point there. I felt it was like I was watching a progressive Lifetime Channel movie. Uh, they're they're afraid to say taboo words, um, which needed to be said for a movie like this. Right. Uh, it doesn't look spray painted on the wall at one point. Yeah, but then he's hiding it. Yeah, he 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 takes the gallon of kills and rolls right over it. Uh, yeah, on the actual shot of that word on the wall, he's standing in front of it, so you can't see all the word. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I guess you, you just fill in the blanks when you're watching stuff sometimes. Uh, and and that, in fact, people actually stop each other from saying that word a couple of points. Um, I've, uh, I felt the, the lead character did some stuff which didn't make sense. Uh, like uh, his house gets hit with vandalism, theft, and he actually finds someone in the house. Doesn't tell his partner. Yeah. 
Um, but that puts everyone in danger. Yeah, that's just a matter of, of basic safety. Yeah. Uh, I know he's, he doesn't trust his own senses, but come on, you know. Yeah. Just talk about it. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, he's supposed to be this ghostwriter for this uh, uh, person who's doing... Uh, he's He's got some kind of clinic where it's one of those... Curing homosexuality clinics. Yes, like the gay conversion therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But he doesn't, uh, he seems to only look up what this guy's um, clinic is about halfway through the movie. Yeah. What does he do for a living? Yeah. It doesn't seem to research that this book he's he's supposed to be writing. Right. Yeah, that, that, uh, that didn't work for me either because first thing you would want to know is, well, what, what kind of person am I going to be working with here? What, you know, what kind of story am I telling? Because, uh, in your, your sensitivity to what people might be about is probably heightened. If you have two minorities that you've had to live with your whole life, uh, this guy being a black man, who's also gay and, uh, has been through some very horrible gay bashing. <clears throat> you'd think he'd want to just check out just make sure this isn't someone who uh, who hates one or both of the things that you happen to be. So, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that him going, oh, and discovering yeah, that. Yeah, like, what? Why? You didn't know that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Did, did Google not exist at the time? Maybe it didn't, but you could have looked something up. What What year was this supposed to be set in? Uh, 95. 95. Okay, so there's no excuse because there were search engines in 1995. Well, you could search things on the internet in 1995. I don't know if there was, there wasn't maybe Google yet, but there were other ways to find things online. Yeah. And surely if you're ghostwriting a book for somebody, you have a pile of research material. Right. Uh, So what, he just didn't flip through the stack first? Yeah. You know, never, never mind Google. Yeah. There's like one of the, uh, there's a few surprises in this movie, which uh, when it gets around to revealing the big surprise, uh, I was I was surprised that they thought I'd be surprised by it. <laughs> <laughs> it seems so, so obvious, you know, and we weren't expecting to know that, you know, his, his old boyfriend had died. Uh, that seemed pretty obvious, by the way, he was traumatized by it. Yeah. Um, it just seems so clunky, and some of the uh, uh, some of the dialogue was just so on the nose. Is yeah, the teenage the, the teen daughter. Uh, yeah, some of that stuff. Oh yeah, we've got the Ramones daughter. She she doesn't actually put on the Ramones t shirt, but yeah, she's the Ramones daughter. Yes, um, she's wearing it in spirit. Right. <laughs> we can see it. We can see it. Yeah. Uh, it's like a, there's a scene of um, uh, uh, you hear this uh, Pat Buchanan speech on the radio where he's talking about, uh, uh, I think, the traditional family unit is everything. And that's playing over a stars and stripes. And, uh, it's just, it just seems so clunky. Yeah, this one, uh, what helped it, I felt, was that it looked so good. And when you have something that's competently made, uh, 
and you don't see a bunch of the seams here and there, it's, it's easier to kind of say, all right, well, I, I don't believe the characters of the neighbors. Uh, but I don't believe them in the sense that I just don't believe them. It's not that they're putting him on and they're fooling him. And I don't believe their, their ruse. I just don't believe them as who they're, who they are at all. They, they just seem like their ruse should be better than that. And it should be fooling me. And therefore it's okay that it's fooling him. And then there should be a bigger reveal. So I didn't, care for them, the couple across the way. Uh, I wanted more of what was wrong with the old man. And uh, it would just seem like at first, oh, he's an old racist uh, slash homophobe. But that wasn't it. It's like, oh, so maybe he has Alzheimer's and he's just wandered off. Okay, well, that isn't it either. Uh, Give us something to say, here's what you should really think he is. And we're, we're, we're left guessing until we're told. And then we don't care by that point because we've moved on to other things we're supposed to care about, like this weird circle of hands ceremony across the way. So we're watching that taking place. And it's like, you know, these folks are right across from you. You didn't close the blinds. Does that mean you wanted them to see you? Or are you just that careless about your, your demonic rituals? Yeah. So that, that part was annoying to me, but all along the way, I'm like, okay, I don't believe the, the neighbors and the, you know, the stuff with the daughter is a little contrived. Okay. But still I'm, I'm on board for the ride, but, uh, overall I liked it, but yeah, I agree. it was competently made Yeah, and so, you know, these people could put together a you know, good TV show or something. Yeah. Or maybe with a better script or some better notes, they could have made this a better movie or, or the next one will maybe be improved. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. But, uh, one of the, um, let's see. One, one of the people who commented on this, let's see, uh, Phil wheat of nerdly, whatever nerdly is, I don't know, uh, called it an interesting look into the pressure of being minority. And, uh, Another person, uh, his name is Death Editor. I don't know what that is. Uh, Albert Nowicki praised the movie for its undertones and subtextual plot and applauded harder for, quote, finally giving gay characters the right to speak and tell their stories, unquote. He also stated the movie is brave and has a lot of empathy. Now, I will agree with him on the a lot of empathy part. I don't think it's brave. I don't think it makes any any bold moves that we haven't seen better bold moves in another movie and finally giving gay characters the right to speak and tell their stories. Really? They're not very outspoken. They're like, no. they're like, well, you know it and I know it, but we can't say anything in front of them. That's what, that's, yeah, this, that's how this outspoken. This is not the first gay horror movie. It is not. And, it, <laughs> but it, way. and it's not very outspoken uh, to be quite honest. about and, it. And, it's, and it's not subtextual. It's all on the top. It's very textual. Uh, yeah, it, it pulls all its punches is probably the, the most, uh, easy cliche way I could say it. It, it pulls all of its punches and, and I'm not feeling like yeah. these characters are like, Oh no, bullshit. I'm going to go over there right now and, <laughs> and give them a piece of my mind. <laughs> but rather they go over and they sip wine and, and, uh, and then sneak into a room and look at things they shouldn't see that don't mean anything to them yet. Yeah. 
So what? So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I did not feel it was bold, uh, to say the least. Uh, but competently made, unfortunately, <laughs> gets you pretty far these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, as we have learned this weekend. Especially, especially after watching Veronica. <laughs> yeah, so I said to Emily, the only way is up. The next movie you see is going to be better. We're going to end up watching that a few more times in our lives, I have a feeling, unless unless we get hit no. by a bus. No, I'm seriously, like, how am I not going to show that on that big projector screen outside? Oh, yeah. If, if you get a crowd together, then I'm, I'm definitely up for that. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's... <laughs> All you have to do to make a movie seem better is to compare it to something worse. <laughs> Put that on the DVD box. <laughs> but uh yeah I, it, you know sometimes we talk about like I, you know, I always ask the question toward the end of us talking about these movies like is is this one do we recommend this to a horror fan and then do we recommend this to a non-horror fan i think the non-horror fans can can get their their ambiance and their scares out of this one because they're not used to the stuff we're used to. And yeah, if, they, if they like, uh, like the sort of horror films you get on the lifetime channel, from this, <laughs> this is lifetime level. Uh, yeah, I would say that's about what you're getting for sure. Horror fans are not going to be, uh, impressed by this. No, no, there, there needed to be a better building of dread and more sinister stuff, I think. If you want to see a film that gets this sort of thing right, then obviously Get Out, Stepford Wives. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Get Out is much better as far as this, you know, the the, the person who is uh, dealing with racism and the prejudices of, of uh, a community that thinks it understands or has some weird understanding of their relation to the to the other race that they aren't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's probably, uh, I mean, I would even watch the devil's reign and say, that's a better demon cult movie than, <laughs> than this one. Oh yeah. <laughs> you got Ernest Borgnine turning into a, a goat man. Oh yeah. And you got William Shatner turning into Michael Myers. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Before it actually happened. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if, if you wanted to like go through your collection or, or go through some searches on the computer and compile a list of demon cult movies or, uh, neighbors that turn out to be sinister, there's always that funny, like, uh, that double fake they'll do sometimes where they, uh, they let you think that there's a neighbor who's evil that actually turns out to be their, their friend at the end of the movie. <laughs> That's one of those devices that I was kind of surprised. Yes. We didn't see that really pop up in this one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, overall I liked it, but didn't feel moved by it. I didn't feel like I wasted my time watching it, which is the worst feeling at the end of a movie. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was nicely shot. Yeah. That. The, the, the acting was generally good. It was. Yeah, so I, I could say yeah, the lead was very good. Yeah, I could say several good things about the movie, and then um, that doesn't bring it out of the hole for you know not 
having more impact than it did. I, I kind of resented it being called Spiral because it gets confusing now. There's like, uh, there must be three or four horror movies called Spiral. Yeah. There's one coming out next year. The next uh, Saw movie is called Spiral. Yeah, what the hell? And then there's the, a Japanese movie. Uh, it was called uh, Uzumaki. Um, that's, that's called Spiral in the West. Uh, and that's also the name of a uh, uh, TV series from this year. Yeah. Spiral. Um, and it's also the name of one of the uh, Ring sequels. Like the, if, you're, if you're watching them in chronological order of the story, it's uh, Ring, then uh, Spiral, then Ring 2. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of adds to the confusion, really. Yeah, like when you go when you go to name your garage band, maybe find out if ten other bands have the same name. <laughs> hey, we're gonna call ourselves. <laughs> here's one from the eighties. We're gonna call ourselves the Charlatans. It's like, uh, <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> how about the Beat? We'll call ourselves the Beat. <laughs> That's how we ended up with the Charlatans UK and the English Beat. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of the, the U.S. beat or the U.S. charlatans. No, they went nowhere, right? Yeah, and the charlatans are still going. They're great. I think the beat's still going, actually. Yeah, they still tour. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that that has probably nothing to do with anything, but it happens. <laughs> it, it happens, and uh, it doesn't have to keep happening like this, like five movies. <laughs> right, yeah, just look it up, put it in the search. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like it's hard to look things up now. This isn't 1995. Uh, they did, I will say this about uh, the the uh, the props in this, that Macintosh computer that uh, the guy was plugging in mm-hmm. looked like new. So yes. I don't know what they did to bleach it up or if they had to mold a new one from an old one, but it looked new. Yeah, working VCRs and everything. Yeah, it was weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, um, so, uh, I think we already kind of covered our recommend, not recommends on this one, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's something that I can't, I can't hate on it, but I can't, I can't love on it either. <laughs> it's, it's in that sad little spot in between. <laughs> it's not for us to get, <laughs> it's not get out. Yeah, it's, it's neither one of those for sure. Uh, well, maybe we will let uh, Will pick again for next week since he uh, wasn't able to make it tonight. Okay, and you should pick up backup ones as well. Yeah, I'll pick some for backup. Yeah, and that way we'll we'll have our bases covered. Uh, then we'll we'll do our lists and get uh, people. This is this marks our fifth anniversary right about now. By the way. Okay. Yeah, so we can uh, maybe. Maybe tip a glass with Will next week on that one. But, uh, yeah, I think our first episode dropped around the 5th or 7th of October or something like that. Maybe the 11th. I don't know. What, however that fell in October of 2015. But uh, here we are. 2015. Yeah. Wow. Man. How long ago is that? It seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we're in one day. We'll talk about this. Like, can you? That's like five BC, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, all right. 
Well, should we call it a show and get out of here? Okay. All right. Well, listeners, we thank you for listening. And stay off the moors. <laughs>